But if you have your Bibles with you this morning, open with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. This morning we're looking at verses 9 through 31. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 through 31. As we continue our walk through the book of Deuteronomy, considering the gospel according to Moses. If you don't have a Bible, then you can grab the Pew Bible there in front of you and turn to page 139. It's page 139 in the Pew Bible. So Deuteronomy 4, 9 through 31, page 139 in the Pew Bible. Today we're talking about idolatry. Idolatry. Idolatry has always been a major problem for all of mankind. It's one of the great sins that man creates against a holy God, a creating God sovereign God it was a problem for the Israelites the Israelites back in uh, we're in Deuteronomy but you go back a few books there to the book of Exodus uh, and go to the book of Exodus and and Mount Sinai when Israel came out of Egypt and God brought them to Mount Sinai and he appeared there before them he gave them his his law made a covenant with them and then if you remember Exodus, Moses went back up on Mount Sinai to talk with the Lord, to get more stuff from the Lord. And he left the Israelites down there at the base of Mount Sinai, and he was gone 40 days and 40 nights. And so finally the Israelites went to Aaron, Moses' brother, and said, we don't know what's happened to this Moses. You make for us gods to lead us to the land of promise. And so after, just right after they had seen, and they were still witnessing, right? They were still witnessing the power of God on Mount Sinai. And yet, there they go, chasing after an idol. And it was always a problem for the Israelites, even as they were wandering through the wilderness with God leading them in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Yet still, they fell into idolatry over and over and over again. And ultimately, it was because of idolatry that was one of the major sins that they had committed against God over and over and over again that led God to send them into exile, right, to, at, at, at finally in the end. So you go through Judges, all the way through all the historical books of the Old Testament, through the book of the Chronicles, and what do you see over and over and over again? Israel falling into idolatry, idolatry, idolatry. They, they, instead of following God, they wanted to follow false gods. And so it's always been a problem for God's people. But we need to understand that it's a problem for us as well, right? It's a problem for us as well. We might think, well, there's no temples to these foreign gods out here around us. We're not going and bowing down before a statue so it's no big deal, right? It's not a problem for us anymore. Wrong. Wrong. Because we have idolatrous hearts. So as we think about idolatry, uh, you think about idolatry. What is idolatry? Now we're going to talk about what it is more here in a minute, but just kind of put it in a nutshell. Idolatry is putting anything or anyone in the place of God. I mean, that's kind of a, a, just a, a nutshell definition. Idolatry is putting anything or anyone in the place of God. How often, how often do we put things in our lives in the place of God? How often do we 
do we lift the material things of this world or the people of this world up to a position that is reserved only for God? You see, each and every one of us struggle with idolatry if we're honest with ourselves. We all struggle with idolatry. So this is a lesson that we need to learn. We need to learn how to guard against idolatry. And so today, that's the, the main message of our text. These three, we're going to go through three paragraphs here in Deuteronomy. And the main message, the main point that Moses is getting to the people of God is to take care to guard against idolatry. Take care to guard against idolatry. And this is a message that we need to hear. And we need to apply it to our lives. Today, I want to show you three practices Three practices to help you guard your heart against idolatry. Three practices to help you guard against idolatry. So, as we look at this this morning, I do want you to remember, if you've been following along with us, as we've been going through Deuteronomy, we're in the first section of Deuteronomy. We're kind of rounding that first section out here. Uh, ready, Moses is kind of making a transition into the next section, but right now we're in the what they call a historical prologue. So he's reviewing history uh, of, of Israelites, of the Israelites and their relationship with God. And so in this time, we've learned a lot about God. We've learned that God is a faithful God. He is a sovereign God. He rules and reigns over his creation. And he is faithful to keep his promises even when we are faithless. God is faithful. And now we see another little something about ourselves as we we see the, the history of the Israelites and their struggle with idolatry. So we're going to see that this morning. Now, normally I would read the text, but this is quite a long text. So we're just going to work through the text as we go this morning uh, to kind of save some time. And so we'll just go through it little by little. But before we get into it, let me pray for us. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come now, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, we do pray that you would write it's eternal truth on all our hearts, Lord. Lord, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and give us hearts willing to understand and obey your word today, Lord. Lord, as we talk about idolatry this morning, Lord, I pray that you would point out in our own lives the potential idols that are before us, the things that either we have put in your place or have the potential of arise arising to that point lord lord open uh, our eyes to see the potential idols in our lives oh lord and help us to tear those idols down help us to put boundaries in place to to guard our hearts from idolatry and all of this for your glory and all of this in jesus name we pray amen well, as we begin to look at this this morning, guarding our hearts against idolatry, the first practice that you must engage in if you want to guard your heart against idolatry is this, know God, know God by hearing, studying, and teaching God's word. Know God by hearing, studying, and teaching God's word. This is that first practice. Now we see this kind of fleshed out here in that first paragraph, our first paragraph, looking at verse 9. Look at verse 9 there with me. Now take care, Moses says to the people, and keep 
your soul diligent, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, that is Mount Sinai, this is another name for Mount Sinai, but when you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words. Notice that, hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on earth and that they may teach their children so. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of the heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice, and he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform that is the ten words and he wrote them on two tablets of stone and the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess now again here Moses is reflecting back on that time when they were there at Mount Sinai and he reminds them of something There God came down, right? God came down and he appeared before the people of Israel. But as he appeared before the people of Israel, it was the glory of the Lord that appeared. The fire of the Lord, the the dreadful smoke of the Lord, it came down and rested on Mount Sinai. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Being there in this wilderness with this great mountain before you. You've already witnessed the the presence of God in so many ways. I mean, you just got through seeing him divide the Red Sea. And and you've just walked across the Red Sea as on dry ground. You you walked through the Red Sea with the, the walls of water on both sides of you. You've seen the Lord your God demolish the the whole armies of Egypt. And now here you come to this mountain. And you see the glory of the Lord your God descend upon this mountain as a fire. Burning. The mountain trembled at the presence of God. And the people sat there in awe. And God spoke to them in words. And when they heard the voice of the Lord, they said, Moses, Moses, tell the Lord not to speak to us, but you talk to the Lord, lest we die. Can you imagine experiencing that? Moses reminds them of that day. Now, 40 years have passed, and you remember the people that Moses is talking to here in Deuteronomy, they were just little tykes, right? They were little kids when, when, when they saw this, but they, they witnessed it. 
They stood there in awe at the splendor and glory of God. And Moses said, remember that day. Did you see an image? Did you see a form? No. God did not appear to you in any kind of image. He didn't didn't appear in any form whatsoever. Why? Because God is an invisible God. God is an invisible God. God is invisible. He is spirit. He's not in any kind of form. He is an invisible God. What they saw was not God. What they saw was the glory of God come down from heaven. They didn't even see God. God is an invisible God. He is invisible. But here's the wonder of it all. God does reveal himself, but he reveals himself in his word. On that day, God revealed himself, not in an image, he revealed himself in his word. And we see that in our text. Moses brings that out. He draws that out here. We see this play on the word, words, throughout this text. And I don't want you to see this. Notice what he says there back up in, what is it, verse uh, 9. Gather the people to me, talking about Horeb, gather the people to me that, they, that I might let them hear my words so that they may hear to, learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children's, children so. And then on down there in verse 12, then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire, you heard the sound of his of words. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form. There was only a voice. And then in verse 13, And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded, uh, commanded you perform, that is, the ten words, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. Now, I know your English Bible says ten commandments, and, and that's a translation, right? But you probably also have a little note there, probably at the bottom of the page there and maybe a little number up there beside commandments and you look down there and it says Hebrew words because in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, the original language, it's not commandments that Moses said. Moses says the the Hebrew word, devar, which is the word for word. So all through there, words, words, and the ten words. Now why do English translations translate it commandments? Because he's referring to the Ten Commandments that he's going to get into in, in chapter 5. But, but the, the Hebrew there is words. A- and we kind of miss that in the English translation because he's making this play on words. He, he, he's, he's saying, remember, God didn't reveal himself to you in an image because God is invisible. He is spirit. He is not in an image. But he revealed himself to you through words. Through his word. That's how we know God. You see, that's a wonderful thing. God didn't have to reveal himself to us. He could have remained the invisible God. And as we experience the power of God in us in creation and fail to honor him and worship him, we would be guilty of our sin and rebellion against him. But God in his love and his grace, he has revealed himself in words. In words. 
And so we're not to worship any kind of image. We're not to worship any kind of image because God is spirit. He, he doesn't appear in an image. He gives us, he shows us himself in his words. He reveals himself in his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. That's why this Bible sits here at the center of our church. Because it's the word of God. That's why Sunday after Sunday I say, open your Bibles too. Because this is God's word. And if we're going to see God, if we're going to know God, if we're going to relate to God, then we need his word. Because that's the only way we're going to get to know Jesus. That's the only way we're going to get to understand who God is and what he has done. God is invisible and God has revealed himself in his word. Now, today, and if you've been reading with our church Bible reading this week, you know that this morning uh, we read, was it this morning or yesterday morning, was Hebrews chapter 1 in former days. God revealed himself. He spoke to us through the prophets, but in these latter days, he has spoken to us through who? His son. His son. And in John chapter 1, verse 1, this really gets with it and kind of connects to Deuteronomy because in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And then jump down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father. God has revealed himself in his word that has become flesh. He has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. In latter days he revealed himself in through the words of the prophets, as God spoke through the prophets, but now he has spoken to us through his Son, who is the Word who has become flesh. But is Jesus here with us today? No, he is in heaven. Is there any illustration of Jesus in the Bible? Nope. The New Testament writers, now your Bible may have that, your Bible may have a little picture of Jesus there, but that's not an inspired picture, right? The, the writers of the New Testament never drew a picture of Jesus. Why? Because if they had drawn a picture of Jesus, we would worship the picture. We're not to worship the image. We're not to be like the Israelites, make for us gods. And you better be careful that it up there could even become an idol if we're not careful. That's a reminder of what Jesus did, but we don't bow before that cross. We bow before Jesus Christ. God has revealed himself through his word. And we learn about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit through his word and through his word alone. So if you are going to guard your heart against idolatry, then you must know God, who God is. You must know him. And the only way to know God is by hearing, studying, and teaching his word. 
by hearing, studying, and teaching His Word. That's why you come here, to hear me preach, to hear the Word of God preached Sunday after Sunday. That's the purpose of this time. It's not for me to stand up here and tell you what I think about the world, about politics or whatever. I'm not interested in that. And what I have to say about politics should have little interest to you. Who gives a flip what I think? That's not what's important. What's important is that you know God and what God thinks about the world, what God thinks about politics, what God thinks about everything around us. You need to know God and you need to know what God thinks, what God says. So hear the preaching of God's word and study the word. Don't just come, don't just let it be a Sunday thing. Every day, get up and read God's word and, and dive into it. What's this, what's this text telling me about God? What is it revealing to me about God? Study God's word and then teach God's word. Not necessarily in a life group, not necessarily here in church. But not everybody is called to be a teacher in, in that sense, but everyone, every one of us are called to be a teacher to someone, to our children, our children's children, as Moses tells the people of Israel. And we're going to see that kind of theme come over again and again and again. We're to teach our children. We're to teach our children's children about God. We're to teach disciples that we make. People, Christians who are younger than us, we're to teach them about God. And so if you want to guard against idolatry, know God. By hearing, studying, and teaching His Word. Second, if you are to guard your heart against idolatry, second, identify and address any potential idols in your life. Identify and address any potential idols in your life. That next paragraph, starting in verse 15. Therefore, right, because... God has revealed himself in his word, right? Because God has revealed himself in his word, therefore, watch yourselves. Be careful, be very careful. Since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Listen to this. Beware lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourself. For in the, form of, uh, in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, and the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the, the water under the earth. And beware lest you rise, uh, excuse me, raise your eyes to heaven and, and, be, uh, and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars all the host of the heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole earth. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt to be a people of his own inheritance as you are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me because of you and he, he swore that I should not cross the Jordan and that I should not enter the good land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. 
for I must die in this land. I must not go over the Jordan, but you shall go over and take possession of that land. Take care, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make a carved image, the form of anything that the, anything that, uh, the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Identify and address any potential idols in your life. And he gives two kind of categories here. He gives two categories. First, fashioned objects. Fashioned objects or fashioned images, right? Uh, statues. We, we think of, of statues that men create. Uh, we, we see that in the different gods of, of the Israelites, the different gods that they fall down to. I remember when we went to in, Indonesia, uh, we don't think of this so much because, hey, here we are in Bastrop, Louisiana, and there's not a temple to some foreign god out here. But in, when we went to o Indonesia, we saw that all over the place. I mean, Indonesia, Bali, Indonesia is 98% Hindu, and Hindus, they have hundreds of gods that they worship. And everywhere you look, there's a, a little temple, a little shrine set up for some god or the other. And so idol worship of this type is all over the world. It may not be so readily available and, and so apparent here in, in Bastrop, uh, but we see it other places. Now, you see the pictures there on the screen. Maybe you can, yeah, you can see them fairly well. Uh, these pictures, where do you think these idols are? Some of you know. Where do you, New Orleans, Louisiana. When we went to New Orleans a couple of years ago on mission trip, we went through what they call the healing center. And in the healing center, this is three of several gods, idols. One of them there on the, the far left side, that's Marie Laveau. That's an idol to Marie Laveau. The other two, I don't know who they are, but they were, they were idols there. And all of these idols, they had candles before them, and people could kneel down and pray before these man-made idols. So don't think it's so far away. It's not. It's not. It's right around the, the corner. It's right around the corner. People bowed down to such gods as these. These are formed or fashioned objects fashioned images but then there's also the created objects the created objects look at verse 19 and beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the hosts of heavens you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them notice this things not just the heavens but things anything that the Lord your God has allotted to all peoples under the whole heavens. Anything in all of creation that's created objects can become an idol to us. Whether it be the sun and the moon or things right here in front of us. It could be environmental things. Environmental things. I mean, there's a whole lot of people out there who idolize the environment these days people who all are all up in arms about 
preserving the environment now we know that this is god's creation and even we as christians we should be concerned with being good stewards of god's creation we should take care of our environment i'm not saying we shouldn't we should take good care of our environment but there are some people who idolize the environment they allow the environment to take a place of god and their whole joy their their happiness all centers around you know, being green or, or whatever. So the environment itself can, can become a God. But look here, look, like maybe that's not you, but this might be you. How about material possessions? How about money? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters, <coughs> excuse me, for he, <coughs> either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and mammon english translations most of them say money but the word there is mammon mammon and the the greek word mammon uh, can mean money but it typically means material possessions which would include money right material possessions it could be your finances. You could worship your bank account. How much money can I make? Money, 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 money. We hear that a lot, don't we? Everybody wants to make more money, more money, more money. Let's build up the bank account, build up the bank account. Listen, if your whole, all of your happiness and joy comes from accumulating more money, then your God is your money. What about things, material possessions? If your whole joy in life comes from accumulating more boats, more trucks, more clothes, more, more shoes, more whatever, then maybe your God is material possessions, created things that God has given to everybody. You see, our possessions can become our idols. What about fleshly appetites? Fleshly appetites such as food, sex, even adrenaline and rest, laziness. Philippians chapter 3 verse 19, their end, talking about the sinners here, their end is destruction, their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things, their mind their worship is set upon earthly things. Their God is their belly. Their God is their fleshly appetites. Oh, I, I got to enjoy this. I got to enjoy that. If your whole happiness, if all your joy and life centers around eating, that's called gluttony. And your idol is that fleshly appetite and all of the other things there. If your whole ap happiness, your, your joy is centered around a fleshly appetite, then your God is that appetite. And then what about people? What about people? I mean, think about that. We have the show, American Idol. American Idol. Does that, has it ever caught anybody else a little off, right? It's an American idol. 
because that's what we tend to do to these idols, these cultural pop idols. We lift them up, we praise them, and we put them in a place that is reserved only for God. But what about your spouse? What about your children? You see, your, your spouse or, or your children, either one can become an idol to you. Now, you're to love your spouse and you're to love your children, even as you love yourself. Why? Because they're your first neighbor. They're your first neighbor. So, yes, you're to love them. But if your whole joy, all the joy of your life, all of your happiness centers around making your spouse or your children happy, if they're the center of your life, maybe they've risen to a place reserved only for God, for we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We love God above anything and everything or anyone else. So you need to identify those potential idols. What are the potential idols in your life? What are the idols? What are the things in your life that have or have the potential to become a God for you? Identify those things. Make a list. Make a list. Identify those things and then address those potential idols. You need to address those potential idols you need to determine how to, to deal with them. How do you deal with an idol? Well, there's a couple of things that you can do. Either you tear that idol down. You tear it down. That's what they did throughout the, 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 the historical books there. When a godly king came up, such as Hezekiah, we've read about Hezekiah, or I've been reading about Hezekiah the last couple of uh, days, and, and Hezekiah was a godly king, and when he came to, to power in, in Judah, he tore down the idols. He tore them down, he ripped them out, he burned them. And sometimes we got to tear down those idols. we got to rip them apart, get them out of our lives completely. Maybe there's something in your life that's it's an idol for you. It's drawing your affections away from God, and you just need to tear it down altogether. You need to get rid of it altogether. You need to tear it down. Now, other thing the other potential idols in our lives we can't tear it down right we can't get rid of our spouse we can't get rid of our children what do we do well we have to set boundaries we have to identify them and we need to pray about it for certain we need to pray to god lord help me with this i know i'm struggling with this my child has become my center my child has become my everything my child is slipping up into a position that was reserved for you lord help me Help me to make the balance here. And then we need to set those boundaries. We need to figure out what boundaries we, we need to set before us. My whole life can't be about my child. I love my child. I love Gabby dearly. I do anything for her. But my life can't center around Gabby. And so I have to set boundaries. 
I have to set boundaries, and there has to be certain places. Like, she can't rise to the position of God in my life. And so we have to set boundaries. She can't take away from my quiet time with the Lord. She can't interfere with my, my, my serving of the Lord. And so boundaries have to be set. Boundaries have to be set. But these days, a lot of kids are playing sports on Sundays. Maybe you should set a boundary for your kids. Because let's be honest. A lot of people are teaching their children that sports is God. Sports takes the primary place in life. And far too many parents, instead of setting boundaries and saying, this far and no further, they're allowing those boundaries to be blurred. And they're teaching their children to worship idols instead of the living God. You have to pray about it. You have to set boundaries. And finally, you've got to turn to Christ. You've got to turn to Christ. In his book, Counterfeit Gods, Tim Keller says, Jesus must become more beautiful to our imagination, more attractive to our heart than your idol. That is what will replace your counterfeit gods. If you uproot the idol and fail to plant the love of Christ in its place, the idol will grow back. The certain cure against idolatry is to turn to Jesus, cling to Jesus, love Jesus, study about Jesus, draw close to Jesus, and he'll uproot every idol. This leads us to our third practice to guard our hearts against idolatry. First, you must know God by hearing, studying, and teaching His Word. Second, you must identify and address any potential idols in your life. Third, if you are going to guard against any, any idolatry in your life, you must repent from any idolatry and seek the Lord. Repent from your idolatry and seek the Lord. Look there at that last paragraph, starting in verse 25. When you father children and children's children and have grown old in the land, if you act corruptly by making a carved image in any form of any of uh, any form of anything and by doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord, your God, so as to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will soon utter utterly perish from the land that you are going over the jordan to possess you will not live long in it but will be utterly destroyed and the lord will scatter you among the peoples and you will be left few in number among the nations where the lord will drive you and there you will serve gods of wood stone the work of human hands that neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell, but from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him 
if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in tribulation and all these things come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. If you see idols in your life, if you see idolatry slipping in, repent and seek the Lord. Moses here, he is, he's, he's foretelling, right? He's foretelling what's going to take place. Because we see this very thing unfold in the rest of the Old Testament. As the Israelites go into the land of promise and they begin to commit idolatry, as they begin to chase after other gods, and God sends them out into exile. But as the people in exile, the remnant of the faithful believers in Israel, as they are out there in exile, they begin to cry out to the Lord. They begin to seek the Lord. And the Lord brings back a remnant. We see this in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, Daniel calls upon the Lord. And the Lord sends the angel Gabriel and and tells him about the restoration of Israel that is to come. And and sure enough, in in, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, we see a remnant coming back to the land of promise. God begins to restore the people of Israel there in the land of promise. Because they turn from their idolatry and turn to God. God is a merciful God. He is a merciful God. And when we identify idols in our lives and we turn away from that, that's what repentance means, repent from that, turn away from our idolatry and turn to God. We seek His face. He is there to receive us, to draw near to us. So examine your life. And if there's any sign, even any hint of idolatry there, turn away from it and turn to God. And he'll be right there with open arms. Come to me, my child. Come to me. And let me give you rest from this idolatry. You know, John Calvin once said, that the human mind is a perpetual factory of idols. And sure enough, it is. Our minds create idols all around. We'll make anything in the world into an idol and bow down before it, worshiping it, making it the center of our lives, the greatest recipient of our affections. Therefore, we must guard our hearts dear friend you must guard your heart against idolatry guard your heart by knowing god knowing god by hearing studying and teaching his word know god when you know god you'll have a heart much harder time allowing idols to come in and take his place know god 
identify and address any potential idols that are in your life. If you need to, tear them down. Tear them down, get rid of them, but at the very least, set boundaries and pray that God would help you to, to overcome those potential idols. And when you identify any kind of idolatry in your life, repent and turn to God. Now maybe you're here today and you realize that your, your life is full of idols. In fact, you've never really worshipped the Lord your God. Maybe you've had religious moments in your life. Maybe you've even made a profession here and there of faith in Jesus, but you've never really surrendered to Him. You've never really bowed down with your life and trusted in Jesus. Maybe you realize today the Lord our God has not been your God, but you know He needs to be. If that's your heart today, then let me tell you, God is a merciful God. And maybe He drew you here to this place today to identify some idols in your life. And maybe today you need to turn for the first time away from any idolatry that you have, whatever idol you've been worshiping, and you need to turn to the living God. I want you to know that God is so merciful that he sent his son Jesus Christ, the word that became flesh that we talked about earlier. God the son came down from heaven and he came to this world. And he lived a life completely absent of idolatry he lived a world in a perfect a life in perfect obedience to the will of his father and he died on calvary's cross willingly in your place taking on your sin your shame your idolatry he took it upon himself and he died for that sin and he was raised again so that you might have life in him Christ died so that you could turn away from your idolatry, your sin, rebellion, trust in Him, and be saved. Today you can be free from idolatry and every other sin by trusting in Jesus Christ. Will you trust in Him today? Will you surrender your life to Him? If you trust in Jesus, he will save you. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just confess today. Lord, our ability to fashion so many idols. And Lord, what a struggle it is for us at times to to see, to see, even see the idols that we are raising up in our lives. Lord God, we just pray that you would show us, open our eyes to see, open our hearts to understand, are there any idols in our lives? And Lord, help us, help us to tear them down. Help us to get rid of them. Lord, fill our hearts with love for you. 
may you be the center of our love and affection. And may our love for our neighbor, our love for everyone else, flow out of our love for you. And Father, if there's any today who've never trusted in Jesus, oh Lord, I pray that you would turn their hearts. Lord, let them trust in Jesus. Let them turn from their idolatry and trust in Christ. Surrender to him today. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.